This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Gotta say, Cara, that the show doc is a little on the depressing side. Um, you've gone with the the talking points are basically just, just they're just really sad, aren't they? They're just really. I did. Try. Everyone's going to have a unhappy time. Well, yeah, I did try though, and I think yeah. we can just also just not talk about it if you want. Well. Um, we got we got a few people trying to give what they thought was happier points. Um, I think Chris Clark tried to write some a load of positives to take from the game, which is ironic considering when he was in the car back from Leicester, uh, he wanted to kill himself. So um, yeah, that's 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 okay. Yeah, that's all right. We can do that. He's also something um, that Chris Clark's was probably the most positive out of everyone who tried to be positive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think we've got some really good points on Twitter, so um, we can use those as bouncing off. Um, and yeah, let's cover let's cover Sido definitely. Um, in fact, look, I mean, we might as well. I think the man deserves to be mentioned before we we roll the credits. Really, um, Clive Waters, much better known by the the, the shouting of. Uh, the word Sido, uh, program seller, legend, legendary program seller. You know what? Um, where it comes from? What? Where? Where the name comes from? Yeah. Well, his hair. I mean, he's he's sort of his his sort of Victorian mutton chops. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's a sad day. I mean, um, yeah, let's. I mean, Hambo who is one of quite a few people who mysteriously are not available for recording the pod. Suddenly a spout of illness just went round. Um, he's put part of the fabric of Palace forever. Weird that there are many going to Palace today that never got their programme from Sido. Rest in peace, Clive. I think that's um, probably says it all. Um, any stories people want to share on him, you know, send them over and we'll talk about them in the next couple of episodes, I reckon. Probably the way to go. Um, shall we crack on now? Shall we do a show? Why not? This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest match report. We're going to be covering Everton away. Um, what we'll start with, I want to I want to tax your knowledge, both of you. So we've got... Carver, returning for uh, another episode. Hello. Carver, you good? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm all right. Just um, actually unhelpfully trying to wipe the memory of the game from my match, from my memory. But um, From your match? Yeah. It was playing really well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well done. Excellent intro. Um, and then we've got, we're taking the pod virginity of uh, <laughs> one, one Xavier O'Connor. Hello, sir. Uh, hello, uh, good to be here. Um, you know, make my first cap on the show, so you know, excited, excited to be here and 
wish it was, you know, better circumstances considering the match we're going to discuss. But, you know, good to be here all the same. Yeah, well, well let's get you on also for a game we, uh, we, <laughs> we at least get one point from. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna start by asking you both. I've lit this up and unless I've misread, which, you know, has happened in the past. So, um, you know, don't at me, people. But, you know, you better at me, actually, because I better quit myself next episode. I believe... This is the joint worst uh, Palace result under Patrick Vieira in the Premier League. So, from what I could see, we've had three results of 3-0. Can you remember what they were, either of you? I say we've lost by more than that under under Vieira. I thought we had as well, but you know, I can't see it. Absolutely any. smashed by Liverpool. Uh, we did, and that was 3-0. Um, oh, let me get let me get the stats. Uh, yes, unless you know you're <laughs> if you're about to absolutely ruin me. Uh, the eighteenth of uh, the eighteenth of September, twenty twenty one, we lost three 0 to Liverpool. After the game before that, beating Spurs three 0 Interesting. But yeah, um, the last time we lost three <clears> 0 <throat> was also against Spurs last Boxing Day. I remember it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's one other 3 0 at the very start of last season against Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah. Chelsea. So, actually, we could argue that we're now doing a pod for the absolute worst Premier League result for Vieira because um, this is the first time we've lost 3 0 or by three clear goals to a team outside of the traditional top six. Uh, so, <laughs> excellent way to start. Hold on. Um, and you're accusing me of not being positive enough. Uh, well, you know, it's just, I'm just putting it out there. Uh, I think there are a few positives to take from the game. Um, I, I'm i not always the most positive person myself. <laughs> um I, I, and I mean, let, let's get into some uh, let's some let's get into some Palace news this week. Um, first, though, let's just talk. Uh, let's talk about we've got a website up. You can leave some voice messages if you want a little moan. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, where loads of people have left a comment. Uh, unfortunately, the people <laughs> on this particular chat right now. None of us have Facebook, so um, if Cara, you can frantically get someone to uh, drop the questions in, we'll add those in a little bit. Um, but yeah, also you can join us on YouTube, where Dio and the team are doing sterling work and they're going from strength to strength. Um, so I think that's enough enough of the business. Let's get to uh, some Palace news this week. Uh, the stadium planning permission, you're un- unlikely to not know all about it anyway, but... Um, Looks to be a step closer, so I'm, I'm sure you're well aware of that. But that's a positive for the week, isn't it? 34,000 people, maybe better chance of people on the fringe of um, a ticket membership being able to get some tickets in the not-too-distant future. Will fit in 400 league appearances. I mean, that's something to be positive about, isn't it? He's still here. Come on, people. A bit of a cheer or something. Um, Sorry, that is a really positive bit of news. The best you could do is he's still here. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, no, and he's, you know, he's he got a ton of goals this calendar year. They talked about it on the preview show. There was only three or four players who've got more than him this calendar year. So it's all good. Um, sort of ambivalent about the Raksaki situation. Uh, you've put in the show notes, he continues to run rings around League One defences. Um, unfortunately, I think we know who he's playing for. So he scored the only goal in Charlton's victory over Shrewsbury at the weekend. Um, yeah, I don't think we want to celebrate that too hard. Um, the under-21s, free-all draw against Man City. A brace from Omelabu. So, um, you know, that's some positivity, especially as um, at City were winning 3 2. Uh, let's talk about a bit of negativity, though. The under 18s, 5 1 defeat against Leicester. Didn't, didn't see that up. Uh, didn't see that coming. Dixon opened the scoring for Palace in the sixth minute. And it actually wasn't until just before half time uh, that Leicester equalised. <laughs> and then uh, anybody that watched the second half, yeah. Um, Palace down second in the league, three points behind West Ham. Still though, still in second. So there's there's the positivity back. Uh, I'll let you talk about the uh, 
the Palace women, Cara. Um, do you want to do you want to talk over the uh, the goalkeeping error as well? Oh God, yeah. Um, so anyone who listened to the pod last week will know that we were trying to pin some positive hopes on uh, Palace Women's meeting with uh, Bristol on Saturday. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, they th- absolutely thrashed us 4-0 in the Cup. Um, and we were putting out there the case for maybe meeting them again in the league was going to be the point at which we could do a big comeback, uh, end our kind of losing spell and uh, kick on for the rest of the season. Uh, you might have guessed by Mike's intro that didn't happen. Uh, we lost 3-0. So it is a slight improvement. There's the positive bit, right? Like 3-0 instead of 4-0. But one of the goals was horrendous. Like I just don't really understand. I can't. I've watched it back several times and the keeper saves it and then like almost chucks it in the goal after having saved it. Like it, it's it's insane. Um highlights from Palace TV if anybody wants to put themselves through watching that. Um but yeah, to be fair to her though, the first goal there was I don't know where our defence were, like it it's just one. I think it was like uh Johnson just there on her own, um, trying to do whatever she could to to stop the goal going in and it was everything just looked a mess to be honest um so I've no idea what's going on there hopefully it's something that can be resolved quickly um because even though we are sitting in fifth which doesn't sound that bad we're a point behind Charlton who are in fourth um but we're also only two points off the relegation zone um as the five teams below us are all on seven points while we sit on nine so um yeah something needs to happen quick I think yeah, very odd set of results, isn't it? Three wins, three losses. Um, you mentioned when we were chatting yesterday um, that it might have been jinxed since they played at Celeste. Um, yeah, it, it, interesting. I mean, they're, they're still they're still doing all right in the table, but um, that that dream of the WSL next season just just slipping away slightly. I think so. Um, disappointing. But yeah, that will do for the news uh, this week, I think. And we will certainly get to some more slightly sketchy, sc- slightly sketchy defending. Uh, yeah, let's let's talk about the Everton game. Um, let's start about the fact that we were missing Dukure. What kind of impact did that make, do you think, Xavier? Um, I think he probably is a bigger loss than maybe we assumed he would be. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was, it was a massive loss. Um, when I saw that he had picked up that yellow against Wolves and, you know, would be missing this match, I kind of, you know, had a feeling it would go this way in terms of, you know, us really, really missing, you know, what it brings to the team. He does so much work, you know, in that single defensive midfield position um, and just really hasn't got much support. The other midfielders don't really do the types of tackling and, um, you know, covering every blade of grass that he does. And he's also really really, really good at, um, you know, getting the ball off the, the defenders, Anderson and Gahey, and, you know, getting it to, you know, our, our, our attacking players and letting them do what, you know, they do best. And I, it was just, it was very evident, you know, that we missed him. He's a top, top player. Um, you know, I think he's shown that in his time here after taking a little bit, you know, to settle in. So, you know, it was, it was a massive miss. And I guess it's not really surprising that we don't, you know, the result on Saturday, you know, was so poor because, you know, missing him and not really having anyone, you know, to replace the type of work that he does, um, you know, at such a crucial position. So, yeah, I think, honestly, you know, you don't want to write it off due to, to one player, but I think a lot of, you know, what happened this weekend and how poor we looked was, you know, due to missing Ducore. I guess, you know, isn't a good thing, obviously, you know, to be so reliant on one player in your midfield, but, you know, just the state of our squad right now, it's just kind of just what it is. And, you know, getting him back, I think, you know, for next weekend will be massive. And I think, you know, will really highlight just how much we missed him, you know, against Everton. Well, it's interesting that we go from a team that was so reliant on Will for about <laughs> 10 years um, to us possibly being absolutely reliant on another player. So we got a comment from Simon W on Twitter. Uh, thanks to Simon and everyone else that left the comment. If Decore does the work of two defensive midfielders when he's not available, play two defensive midfielders. Um, it's interesting. I, do we have two defensive midfielders, Cara? Um And what... what what else possibly could Vieira have done? Well, I think uh, Matt Woosnam asked him that in the uh, post-match press conference and he said a very straight no and there was no elaboration on whether or not uh, or like why that decision was, but he just straight up wasn't going to do that. So it um, doesn't sound like we will be seeing that anytime soon. Um, 
and I, I don't know, I, I don't feel like that is a solution to the problem because we want, the whole point is we want to play attacking football, right? So like that, I think would only, we'd only end up with an even more mismatched team not gelling properly on the pitch than we have at the moment um, because we'd have almost kind of two different identities of team running alongside each other and I think it would be a bit of a mess. Um, but I think it's like two things I just wanted to say on Dukure. Like I think it is, yes, we're missing him, but it's also that we're just missing that position because if Will Hughes was fit and Hughes could have come in, then I think we would have seen a slightly different um, performance from the team and he would have filled that gap. We, but without him and without Macker as well, like we just don't have a player to slot in and it goes back to what we were saying last week where like it's a dangerous game putting so much pressure on Dukure where he's going to pick up these yellow cards because then missing games is going to be a semi-regular thing um if we're always putting him in the position where he is picking up the cards so much so it's yeah it just seems like the a really big problem maybe with Hughes fit it becomes less of a kind of um catastrophe um but it's definitely something we need we need an answer to quickly that's an interesting point. I, I don't think enough was made of Hughes's fitness b- before the game. You know, pe- people have made comments, well, why are Hughes and Riedewald in the squad if they're, if they're not going to be used? Um, but you, if we've got three people that could probably play that role, none of which are fit, then, you know, you can't expect much more resiliency in a squad than than three three players to play that position. Um, and we, we've Got to we got used to missing Maka um, because he's been out so long. But when he's back, is, is he the answer to that problem? Um, I mean, if it was you selecting the eleven, Xavier, what would you have done anything different? Could he have done anything different? Uh, it's a tough one, you know, because there just really is a lack of options. You know, there was you know this past weekend. I, I think you know. If Hughes had been fit, I would have loved to see, you know, him there just slotting right in for Decore and, you know, doing the same type of midfield. Maybe would have gone for Schlupp, um, I guess, instead of Ayu and, and shift Elise wide. Um, but I think it was a tough one. You know, there just wasn't really anything other than than Luca. Um I I thought Jairo, I think, you know, I when he's coming to the side, I think he's generally done a good job. But it was just one of those where you could see that Vieira doesn't really want to pick him unless he, you know, really has no choice, you know, for whatever reason that is, uh, you know, he sees these, you know, he sees them in training and, you know, I trust him generally with, you know, with these, these types of decisions. So I think it was a hard one. I don't really think there was anything he really could have done other, you know, than bringing in Luca and, you know, just kind of hoping for the best. Um, And, you know, it's just kind of just, you know, the state of the squad. I don't really blame Vieira, you know, just hope that we've identified that that type of position, you know, is very key for us and we need to get someone in, you know, similar to Decore and who use, you know, just because we can't really rely on Maka these days as much, sadly, just because of, you know, where he is in terms of his, his fitness and his age. So, you know, you would just hope that this type of match, you know, is a, re- a reminder that, you know, we need that kind of strengthening in January if possible. So, you know, when injuries happening, suspensions happen, we just don't look quite as short. But I just don't really know what we could have done this past week and otherwise just didn't really have any other options, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. And if I, I, I had a look at the end of that game, um, Vieira's averaging 1.18 points per game this season. Um, across the whole of last season, he averaged uh, 1.26. So we're not especially down on uh, on points from last season. I think we're just all a little bit more worried because of the fact that all of the promoted teams seem to be doing pretty well. You know, Fulham banging in six in the last two games. Um, suddenly we're, we're looking looking over our shoulders a bit. Um, the Leicester result looks better for us. I think they, they've, they've won the game before and they've won the two games since. So um, maybe our nil-nil against them didn't look quite so bad. Um, and we caught Calvert-Lewin on... Uh, a really good day. I think he's decided he wants to show Gareth Southgate that now he's back and fit and wants a late surge for the England squad. We talk about Luca. He was caught in possession for the first goal. Um, it was a little farcical rewatching it. Um, do, do you want to relive that pain, Carver? Um, it was <laughs> you know? No. Do we want to talk about the defending particularly um, for, for any of the goals? Really, um, I think we've we've already established from some recent chats that 
Um, right defence is a massive pain point as well. Um, you, you know, what, what else? What else can we say about it? Really, do we need to delve down that rabbit hole? I think I, I just think that the issues with each of the goals is that that something different went wrong for each of them, and that worries me more than if it was the same mistake we got caught out on three times, I think. But I think it's kind of like the symptom of where we are at the moment because, like, going back to what um, Xavier was saying, which I think is right, like, you've got this kind of group of players that are not being selected every week, some of them. They're being asked to do something slightly different every single time they're played. Um and that's not necessarily because we're working out, you know, what team we're facing and, and how can we use them best against that team. It's because we just don't really know what we want from them because they're not really the players that I think um, Vieira wants to fit into the system that he wants to play. So he's trying to make good with what he's got. And what we end up with is basically the three goals that we conceded on Saturday where just didn't really look like anybody knew what they were doing, right? Like, and even gay, like, I just have no, I, it was almost comical, like, it almost like a bit of a... He, he, was, he was nutmegged, wasn't he, for the first one? Yeah, but he, he like, it, it was so close to his feet and he just looked like he couldn't move. It, it, I, I don't know, it was just bizarre. But, but again, it's just out of position, isn't it? Like, that was the same thing for Luca. Like, every single thing that went wrong was just people being out of position, but they didn't really look like they knew where they needed to be or how to fix it on the pitch. And I think that's part of why we saw the reaction from Vieira that we did uh, from Vieira that we did at the end of the game, which was him saying, like, this is basically the worst I felt after any Palace game because just nothing. And I think he actually said, like, everything went wrong. <laughs> so, um, so so vindicating my statement earlier that it <laughs> probably was the worst result. Yeah, and Vieira wasn't trying to find a positive there, I don't think. Um, I mean, I, I'll I'll give one um, and get Xavier's take on this. Could we have got back in the game when 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 Elise had that shot that maybe he snatched a little bit? Maybe the you know the watching it back, the commentators were giving all the defender all the plaudits, but I, I think he probably just snatched at it. Um, if that had gone in and it was one all, would that have? change the game um or were we just out of it for the majority of the game and I'm you know between about three you know there was a wolf shot straight at the keeper and that was about it um did you ever see us equalizing because I know Chris Clark that went to the game said that we could have played for double the length of time and not scored a goal so do, do you reckon it was it was a 3-0 defeat Xavier um maybe 3-0 you know is a bit harsh but it was one of those I watched the first 15 minutes or so before um, everything got their second. And I, I, I didn't know if I, you know, it was one of those where it's like, I thought we played well, but I didn't know if, you know, maybe I was exaggerating in my head a little bit, but I watched it back again and I thought it was decent, you know, um, that chance at least they had, I, I think he did snatch it a bit. So I'd agree with that, but it was really, really good defending by, um, I think it was Cody. Um, and I thought, I thought it was really good defending and there were a couple other chances where, you know, we we're getting it into decent positions and we're putting in some dangerous crosses. And I'm not saying that we would have equalized if, you know, they didn't get that second when they did, which was, you know, kind of the gut punch and really ended the match as a contest. But I do think, um, you know, there was a timeline in which we may have get that, we may have gotten an equalizer, may have just been able to get out of there with a point. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that we deserve the point, but I just, you know, I, I do think based off those first 15 minutes, I think if that, you know, continued for a little bit longer and we were able to get an equalizer, I do think there is a scenario in which we, you know, could have gotten out of there with a 1-1. Um, so, yeah, I it's it's one of those where I don't think we deserved anything, but I, I do think if we had got something, I don't think it would have been, um, you know, completely... I'm trying to think of the way I'm trying to say I, I think if, you know, if we'd gotten an equalizer, I don't think it would have been, you know, completely out of nowhere. I do think there was, you know, a, tonight, a timeline in which that, that could have happened, but, you know, I do think Everton were good value for the three points, yeah. I completely agree with that. Yeah, I think that first, like, what, uh, 15, 20 minutes of the second half, it was just repeating that pattern that we've seen, um, well, against Wolves and against Leeds, wasn't it? Like, going 1-0 behind, and then we seem to pick it up, and I think there was that sense of, like, oh, here we go, we're just going to do the same thing again, but... Um, yeah, I think you're right. That second goal just kind of killed that, and we felt like we had no way to come back. I think the the stats I think were like quite interesting. So we like everyone seems to be agreed on the fact that the like midfield is the problem. 
But then you look at the stats, so like uh, Everton 46% possession, us 54. Um, both had nine shots each, but Everton had six shots on target and we had two. So it's like that final third issue as well. Like if we're having nine shots and only two are on target and none are going in, like we've got problems <laughs> and we're not going to get away with that at many places. Uh let alone somewhere like Everton, I don't think. I mean, that's that's not been our problem recently, really. I think the last 18 months, conversion rate's pretty good. There's a lot of those shots that were pretty long range. I think, you know, one from Luca that was sort of 30 yards. Um, I, I don't certainly don't remember nine shots of substance. Um, well, on Luca, though, you've put in the show notes, um, Luca fouled, question mark, are you are you getting a little bit partisan here? Are you doing a bit of a Chris Clark? No, that's why I put a question mark. That was a question. That was a t- I mean on the my 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 answer is no. <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't know I don't know what Xavier thinks, but No, I I didn't think it was a foul as well. I thought I think it was Kyrie Luna actually won the ball for him before finishing the move. I, I I thought it was good pressing. I think Luca was used, you know, a little bit, you know, too slow in recognizing the pressure that was on him. But if you know, if we had scored like that, and they had given it, they, you know, they had taken it away due to a foul. I, I'd, I'd be pretty, pretty annoyed at that. So, no, I'd, I don't have any issues with that. To be fair, yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've got to agree. Uh, I'll tell you what I do want to moan about. I, um, I bought some, I bought some vapes on on eBay. Um, basically, quit smoking. Uh, I've now just got a totally different addiction that I do inside as well as outside. Um, so I thought I'll buy in bulk. And um, I bought three pink lemonade ones. And when you buy three, they give you two um, two potluck ones. So I was like, oh, I can look, I can get a new flavour, you know. And if it happens to be tobacco, then whatever. You know, I might find something new. Um, to add to my three um, pink lemonade ones from the Lucky Dip, they gave me two pink lemonade ones. So I now have five pink lemonade uh, <laughs> pink lemonade votes. I'm slightly annoyed. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd, just thought I'd share that. So what? At least you know that you like it. That I feel like that's better than them giving you ones that you hate, and then you've got two that you hate that you can't do anything with. Yeah, I'm, I'm more, of, I'm more of a gambler than that, to be honest, Carla. <laughs> um, and certainly by the end of five, I will not like it. Um, you wanted to bring up why we can't settle into games in the first half. Um, it, I mean, it's been interesting. Obviously, we've come back. The three wins that we've had, we've been losing. Um, which is nuts considering we went years and years and years and years and years without doing that hardly at all. Um, have you got some kind of theory as, as to this? Um, you know, I think it's been, it's been discussed a little bit before, but I'm not sure it happened again this game because I didn't think we particularly were much better in the second half, but um, you uh, disagree in the show notes. So let's have Kara's rant. <laughs> um, no, I don't have much of a rant, to be honest. Um uncharacteristically I do not have a rant on this um but just in genuinely interested because it feels to just be repeating itself like I think you're right in the way that the second half played out we didn't have a good second half but I think Javier was right that the the beginning bit of the second half we did look like we were repeating that form it just we just didn't pull it off this time in the way that we've pulled it off against Leeds and against Wolves um so I don't know. I, like, I, I don't have a theory, really. I don't know if it is just that general sense of because we are playing slightly different um, setups every single game. Is it as simple as it just takes the team the first half to work out what they need to do? And then by the second half, they've kind of um, clicked enough to make it work. I, I really don't know. But it just feels like that kind of risky strategy that we've pulled it out of the bag for the last couple of games that we've come up short this time and if this is now how it plays out in our games going forward um then we're in a bit of trouble but um yeah Javi I don't know if you have any thoughts on that I'm honestly not sure um you know I can't really explain what's going on I against Wolves I know it's like a pretty clear tactical shift in terms of how Schlupp was being used um you know in, in the second half as opposed to the first um but I just don't understand why we aren't starting matches in the same way. We just there's just too many times I feel we look just rather disjointed in our midfield, um, and that kind of affects everything else. I'm not really sure what you know explains it because obviously you know we've seen with some of the second halves we had recently that you know we can play at a pretty high level, and when we, and when we can, and when we're in full flow, you know it's tough 
you know, for teams, you know, to stop us. But I don't really understand why, you know, it isn't coming from the off. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know. It is a bit perplexing. Um, you know, some it's you know it's a bit of a pattern at this point. We're about a third of the way into the season, and this feels to be a trend. And I, I just don't really know what to ex- how to explain it. To be honest, um, because you know, obviously, we've seen you know what we can do when you know it's all clicking, and obviously, Vieira can communicate what he wants the side to look like at times, and you know, play the kind of football that you know we want to play. But I don't really understand why it's not happening for me off. Um, you know, it's hard to explain. You know, before. We had that, you know, little like this postponement we had where, you know, the match was getting called off, you know, the train strikes and, you know, the queen passing. I thought that, you know, that little bit of time that we had, you know, as a squad, you know, to basically it was about three, four weeks we didn't really play, which is basically, you know, a lot of, it was a bit of a, you know, another type of abbreviated preseason. And I was hoping that, you know, that bit of time we had together with the side and Vieira to, you know, have just everyone in training, you know, would make, this type of thing disappear in terms of, you know, why we aren't starting games as well as we're finishing them. And it hasn't really. So I don't really know, you know, what explains it at this point. You know, just kind of have to hope that it gets better, but I just don't really have an explanation. I can't lie. Uh, my early explanation was uh, Michael Lise coming on as a sub, but I'm, I'm not sure that that's quite relevant anymore. Um, I mean, we won't discuss this game too much more, but Cara, um, you want to jump in? No, I just um, off the back of what Xavier said, I'd, uh, forgotten about that break of a couple of weeks um and it was off the back of our pre-actual pre-season having the team haven't been split right so like maybe what we need to do is just keep the team split <laughs> maybe that's the, <laughs> that's the solution that we need to go for because as soon as they've all been training together it's been shit <laughs> so that's my opinion it excellent stuff excellent stuff um yeah we'll, we'll cover it a little bit more then we've got a load of feedback so i think it might be more more interesting for listeners rather than us having a, a, a groan we'll let uh we'll let you guys have a groan and we'll, we'll quickly reply with with another groan um but yeah let, let's cover um let's cover the subs obviously um abue came on for IU. that that's a great thing um some interesting subs where um, Mateta came on next to Edouard for I, perhaps the second time, if not the first time, and then then Schlapp on for Luca didn't seem to make a great deal of difference. Um, Mateta had a decent chance. Edouard had a decent chance after I think after Mateta came on. Um, Abue was that was that uh, was that a, a bit of a silver lining to the game? Did it did it make much difference, or did the subs just underline the fact that once we we're a couple of players down? That's probably not a great deal Vieira can do to make things different. Um, start with you, Xavier. Well, my first reaction to the sub is they scored, Everton scored their second right after we made the Mateta and Schlupp subs. Um, just yeah. watching it back this morning, like it was literally, I think they came in um, when Everton had a goal kick and Everton broke the press um, from the goal kick. And like 15 seconds later, Gordon was tapping in, um, you know, the rebound. And my first thought watching it was that the midfield looked completely lost as soon as the sub was made. I'm not sure, you know, whether Luca being in would have made any sort of difference. Um, but just the way Everton was able to break the press and then, you know, maneuver the ball from from right to left, which led to the shot from I think their left back, you know, that Guaita got down, you know, to save before it was, you know, tapped in by Gordon, who wasn't tracked on the rebound. I just remember thinking that the midfield just looked completely lost, like immediately. Um and it was one of those where it was I you know I get Vieira had to make a sub, um, and I, I I understood why he made the subs, but it was just one of those where it was like we went to a midfield that was basically at that point was going to be Schlupp, um, I guess Ayu and and Eze, and you know the balance of that midfield, you know, to me just I can't really understand how you know that would work, you know, in a Premier League match away from home, you know, when you're chasing it, you know, I guess the point was you know to try. You know, and add you know the China the type of driving runs you know that Schlupp brings, and you know he can pop up with a goal every once in a while. So you know, I I do understand it, but the fact that we conceded so quickly from it, you know, kind of emphasized to me that the midfield can just look really, really disoriented at points, and that really, really hurts us. Um, and you know, it kind of just highlighted again. I thought you know the the fact that we missed Ducore. Um, so yeah, I I get you know why Vieira had to make the subs. You know, had to kind of change things, but the fact that he made the subs that he made, you know, due to you know the bench that we had, just kind of emphasized that. You know, we're just a little bit short right now. Um, and especially when we have some injuries, 
you know, it really, and, you know, people, you know, being out ill and, and that type of thing just really, you know, makes things difficult for us. So that is the thing that I noticed, you know, from the subs. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, we've got some comments on Facebook that have been posted in. Um, Chris Chantry, um, why be getting some minutes? Literally the only positive I can take um, and a fair few people liking that. Um, I think we'll, we'll pretty much leave it there other than uh, I know Cara wanted to bring up what she just described as uh, as the beef and it being absolutely hilarious. Um, Cara, I mean, do you, you just like a bit of a bit of a handbag situation or? I do no yeah I do that that genuinely is the case but <clears throat> the particular thing that I liked about this one was that it was it all stemmed from the fact that Wilf went clattering into a challenge um it was it was a bit cuttery but it wasn't anything like outrageous um and Everton players just absolutely lost their mind like not even just I can't remember who it was on actually but not even just whoever it was on but like they just collectively lost their mind and I just found that hilarious because if they had to put up with the amount of that that, that Wilf has to put up with every five minutes, um, they'd never play a minute of football if they were going to react that way. Uh, I do think, though, JP was incredibly lucky because at one point he had somebody by the throat. So I'm not really sure how we walked away from that with uh, only Wilf and I think it was Ward maybe getting yellows. Um but yeah, to be honest, with the way that the game went, it was one of my highlights. <laughs> I'm not going to lie perhaps the highlight um yeah i mean so let's um let's have a quick uh let's have a quick ad break then we'll, we'll get a bit of a, a story into xavier's palace background being from across the pond and then we'll uh, we'll have some uh we'll have some listener feedback alexa play back at the nest podcast playing back of the nest cpfc podcast from amazon music Back of the Nest, now on your Alexa device and Amazon Music. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, um, for those of you that are um, fairly decent at not- noticing things, you've probably noticed that um, Xavier has a, a slight American accent. He is, in fact, related to uh, Patrick of this parish, uh, also a man who DR has been winding up uh, <laughs> absolutely relentlessly on WhatsApp. Um, DR has taken to telling Patrick that um, Ward Prowse is uh, is the best thing since sliced bread, which makes him very angry. So let's let's hear a little bit about your th- <laughs> let's hear a little bit about your dad, Xavier, and then about how you became a Palace fan and what it's like supporting them from uh, from afar. Yeah, so um, so my dad, you know, is on on the show a fair bit. Patrick, um, he was born, you know, in Thornton Heath. Um, went to Whitehorse Manor. I'm sure he's talked about this on a show at some point, you know. Um, so he's he's always been he's always been Palace, um, you know, through and through. And you know, he moved here, um, in the '70s, and you know, continued to follow Palace. Um, you know, when I was born, you know, I I love I've always loved football. Um, I still love football, obviously. And you know, there just wasn't really a choice in terms of you know an English club to support. Um. And so I've always loved Palace. You know, I always thought, you know, playing football over here and, you know, everyone supports, you know, the big clubs over here. Um, you know, when I was younger, everyone was a United fan um, because that was, you know, the late 90s and early 2000s. You know, that was peak, peak United in terms of, you know, their recent era. Um, you know, then, then it was everyone else. You know, there was some Chelsea, you know, some Arsenal back then. It wasn't as much City, you know, as there is now over here. 
you know, because wasn't as much glory hunting, you know, associated with City as there is now. So it's a lot more American City fans. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Liverpool ones as well. Wasn't as many back then. Um, much more now, you know, that I've noticed. But I've always loved Palace because it was always, you know, good to have an actual association with the club that I supported that didn't deal with the fact that, you know, they were just on TV over here all the time and, you know, they won, you know, most of the matches that they played and that type of thing and, you know, had the best players. You know, I, I always liked you know, supporting Palace, you know, supporting an underdog, supporting a club that, you know, it was meant a lot to my dad and meant a lot to, you know, my granddad, you know, when he was still alive, because, you know, my granddad took my dad to Palace for the first time, and, you know, he was on the terrace, you know, in the, um, why am I forgetting the name of the stand right now? In the Holmesdale, I don't, don't know why I blanked on that. But yeah, my dad, you know, used to be on Holmesdale, you know, sometimes used to sneak in, and I just really, you know, always loved the association that my dad had with Palace, and I always thought, you know, the fact that it always meant so much to him, you know, meant something. And, you know, I really, you know, took to it. And, you know, it was hard to follow Palace, you know, when I was younger because most of the time we were in, you know, the championship. And those matches just weren't on, you know, the telly like they are today. So a lot of times me and my dad, you know, would listen to matches on the radio, um, on Palace radio, you know, as much as we could. And, you know, some of my best memories, you know, associated with my dad, you know, listening to matches at, you know, 10 a.m., our time, you know, 3 p.m., you know, your time, and, you know, just huddling around the radio on, you know, just trying to, you know, listen to the matches and try and get, you know, a sense of, you know, how the match is going as best as we can, you know, via radio, which, you know, now that I can watch the matches, I really, really, you know, hate listening to the matches over the radio. Um, you know, it's just hard to really get a sense of what's going on, you know, just via the radio. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're, t- we're talking like old Palace Radio. Old Palace and, Radio, yeah. yeah. And BBC yeah. sometimes, yeah. So, yeah, oh, okay. a okay. lot of a lot of memories, you know, listening to that. And, um, yeah, so I would, you know, post on a BBS sometimes. I would read the BBS, you know, pretty religiously, you know, just always trying to get a sense of, you know, the inner workings of Palace as best as I could, you know, being across the pond. You know, that being difficult because, you know, Palace isn't the type of club that would get the type of coverage that the bigger clubs over here do. You know, that was just fine with me. And I really, really love Palace and, you know, was able to come see Palace for the first time in the mid-2000s. Went to a um, League Cup match against Hereford. It was actually the first time I saw Palace live. We won 2-1. It's a pretty awful match, to be fair. But, you know, it sticks out in my mind pretty clearly. Um, You know, by the fact that... You're probably the only person on the planet that Palace against Hereford in the cup sticks out. So, yeah. you, you know, that's, that's something. That's yeah, something. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Palace experience if it had been a good match, though, to be fair. so Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. To be fair, I haven't seen... I've been to Palace... I've been to Sellers, you know, a couple of times since, and I haven't actually seen us play well at Sellers any time that I've been there. So really getting a full experience. Um, <laughs> the last time I was over there was the season we went to the FA Cup final, actually. You know, in 2016, I was over there over Christmas... So I saw us play Swansea at home, which is awful. It's a nil-nil draw, if anyone remembers. And then I saw us play Chelsea at home a couple of days later, um, right after they attacked Mourinho, and we lost three 0 Um, and that was also awful. And I was pissing down. It was, you know, very memorable. I can remember it, you know, very clearly. But it was two two awful matches over Christmas. But you know, it hasn't changed. You know, my love for Palace, and you know, still love them. Um, and hopefully, you know, can get over soon. But you well, know, I, I love the club. Um, maybe, maybe don't if that's your record of watching Palace so far. Yeah, to be fair, yeah, my Sellers record isn't great, but you know, I have been to Wembley and seen us win there. Um, only been there once, seen us win there once. So I like to think that in the most important match, I was able to see Palace live. We were able to win. Um, so you know, I like to think that I'm not, you know, the worst of luck. <laughs> Next time, but, that's the that's the one. <laughs> say again, sorry. I said, next time we're at Wembley, that's the one. Yeah, no, that's definitely the one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we've got we've got a lot of listeners in the states. We got we got some in Australia, Canada, and, and, and other places as well. And I'm sure this this resonates. Um, you know, I, getting up the other day while I was in Vegas to watch them at seven a.m. I guess any of the lunchtime kickoffs, you, you've got to do that. Um, you, you know, you're, you're far removed. You're watching it in the morning when you, you, you know, you haven't had a load to drink and that kind of stuff. So, um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And it, it I'm sure it takes a, a lot of, um, it, it, it takes a lot to get up and, and get excited for it because sometimes, you, you know, at 10 a.m., presumably that, that's not the time that you're, you're most excited about watching football. So, 
Um, that's, that's pretty amazing. If, if people want to talk about their, their stories from watching Palace from afar, then um, by, all, by all means, leave a voice note. You know, if there's, if there's anyone over in Australia, I can relate to it now, you know, trying to watch the Cricket World Cup. And like, I think England, the day of recording, England are playing Ireland tomorrow and it's like 4.30 a.m. start and there's no fucking way I'm getting up for that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, hats off to you. Um, right, let's get let's get to some feedback. Um, what I'm going to do, um, let's not prolong people's agony. If, you, if you've got this far in the show already, listening to uh, us discuss losing 3-0 away to Everton, then um, I've got to say hats off to you as well. Um, we'll just read through the comments and, and I'll just pick one of you to, to make a quick reply if one's required. Um, we'll start with Andy the Twat, a regular contributor. Um, we're not the most physical of sides. Uh, very soft, very soft. No hard men in midfield. Although Hughes would have been a good shout, just shows who missed the energy in midfield that Gallagher brought. Um, you know, I'll, I'll reply on that. I, I mean, yeah, I think I think we've covered it really Um Midfield is definitely what we need to look at in January, whether that's going to be the case or not, whether we have to wait till the end of the season, who knows. Um, but as Hambo said many times, we were expecting at least the first couple of years under Vieira to be a rebuild. So for me, I think we're still in a, a decent enough position considering how many players we let go at the end of the season before last. Um, right, so um, Daniel Schilling... Don't bother with the review. Please discuss the 1993-94 season instead. Um, I think you can probably find the uh, the year review on YouTube still for that. So uh, don't doubt you've seen it before, Dan. But uh, excellent suggestion. If Nick was here, I'm sure he'd give you uh, a good couple of hours diatribe on that. Or for that matter, Xavier's dad. So uh, let, let's start. We'll, we'll go to Cara first. So Alf has asked, an honest list of players already at the club that will take us to the next level because at the moment there's too many who are not good enough if we wish to reach a top 10 finish. Now, I was going for positivity, Cara. I don't think that is, but fair question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to put any kind of positive spin on that. No, I mean, that's right. Like, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone would argue with that. Um, the point is that we're not, Newcastle we're not um Leeds we're not you know any of these teams that are going to be taken over with some uh money behind them um so it's a slow build like I think that's always been the plan right so I don't think I, I agree with what you just said Mike like I don't think we're in any a different position than what the plan was for us to be in um Last season, we got to see some more exciting football than we necessarily thought we were going to see so early on. And maybe that's kind of um, pushed people's expectations up. But yeah, I mean, the the plan, as far as I can see, it was always to kind of um, bring people in where we can, bring people through the academy and, and kind of replace players that way rather than a kind of <clears throat> mass clear out. Um, for sure, you know, we'll see the likes of um, Gyro, probably Luca. Schluppy, their time coming to an end at Palace soonish, but I mean, I, I would probably want a little bit of caution not to just kind of completely wipe players that we know out and bring people in. We're not going to be able to replace them with big budget players, so we'll be bringing people in that we are, are, are kind of unknown quantities. So, um, yeah, for sure those players exist, but you know, it's going to be another couple of years before we see them getting replaced. I think. Okay, you're possibly stretching the definition of a succinct answer there. Um, if we leave it that long for each reply, we'll probably be here for about two hours. Uh, but yes, fair points, fair points. Um, Xavier, from Kevin, most on here don't support Luca in a crucial midfield role. Do you agree and do you think uh, PV still has faith in him? Um, so I guess the to the latter bit, I do think that Vieira, you know, still backs him. You know, evidenced by the fact that, you know, he was the first one to come in for Ducore and has regularly been used as a substitute this season. So I do think that, you know, we still trust him. Um, you know, which is fair enough. PV, you know, seems to be very good in terms of, you know, his relationships with the players and, you know, making everyone feel valued, you know, member of the squad. You know, I think that kind of thing is, you know, really important. Um, you know, I, I wish he did have a little bit less faith in him, but I do understand in terms of what Vieira is trying to do in terms of, you know, making sure that every squad member, you know, when it's their time, you know, to to perform, you know, is feeling that, you know, they're going to be able to. So I, I do like that, you know, Vieira is, is good at that, you know, aspect of, of his management. That's, you know, very important attribute, you know, to be a, a top level manager. So I do, I do rate that bit. Um, 
I guess the first bit of the question, which is asking whether he should be trusted as much, I, I don't think he should be. Um, you know, Luke has been, you know, very good for us, you know, as, you know, in the whole, I think, you know, the last couple of years have kind of soured public opinion, you know, of him and, you know, what he's done for the club. And, I, you know, I think that, you know, it's a little bit harsh. I, I do think, you know, he should be moved on and, you know, shouldn't be featuring for us as much. But I do think that he came to this club at a very important time and provided a very, very important presence in that defensive midfield and and was very, very, you know, important in the stabilization of the club and, you know, helping us avoid relegation for several seasons and, you know, being being very good for us. You know, I, I don't think that bit should be forgotten, but I do think, you know, at this point, you know, where we are as a club and where Luke is in his career, you know, personally, I do think, you know, at this point, you know, it's probably time for him to move on. You know, I think it'd be best for both parties. I will say that I think his form slightly dive bond after Joachim Anderson came in and his basically a slightly better looking uh, version of Luca and um he, you know but both of them both of them probably they'd go for the GQ shoots but these days it's uh, it's Anderson so who knows if those things are connected uh so, you know similar thoughts from Mike Sargent why does the manager persist with Luca um isn't there anyone in the reserves that's better off it? you know I think we've discussed that it, it's probably the the strength in depth that that may be the issue when a few players are out um, similar comments from King Louis. Palace need to put big money towards a midfield ball winner or two. Decore and a new signing in a pivot, pivot is really the dream. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I, I find that difficult to be a solution in January. I think they probably have to go to the end of the season. Um, it's quite early to be talking about transfers. I know we've mentioned it a few times. Anton Jean-Baptiste has asked, how many and what type of players should we be targeting to give us the best chance of pushing on this season come January? I don't think we're going to touch that now, Anton, just due to lack of time. But um, certainly on YouTube, we'll be discussing that more. Um, I'd imagine that, you know, we've all got faith in Dougie and he's he's got his plans. He'll be, he'll be there with his clipboard watching the second division in Scotland, seeing if he can find anyone that he can get on a shoestring budget. Typical Dougie style, so we've all got faith. Thing um, on that, just quickly, if you must, yeah. This is the only thing that I think will be interesting and will be really key in January, as it is every transfer window. But I think this will be the key one: is whether or not who Dougie's got his eye on and who Vieira wants in is going to match up. I think that's going to be the the big kind of test of success or failure of this. This transfer window. You're going to argue with Dougie after he's had a couple of whiskeys because I'm not going to. Um, right, let's let's ask you, Xavier. Uh, so, Simon Palmer, does Eze in central midfield cost us more defensively than he adds to us offensively? Interesting. We've not, I don't think we've mentioned Eze once on this pod. So, there's an interesting question. Um, I guess hmm, that's an interesting. One. I. I I guess I'll, I'll you know try and answer by saying that I don't think he's as bad defensively as I think some may make it seem. Um, I I do think that he does his defensive work in a different way than someone like a Gallagher did. Um, you know, last season in terms of you know his pressing and his harrying. I mean, I think Eze does it a little bit differently. But you know, there've been several games, several matches this season where Eze's had, you know, incredible ball recovery stats and interception stats and that type of thing. So I do think, you know, he's willing to put in some work um, defensively. I don't really think he's as poor defensively as, you know, some may make it seem. And I do think what he adds offensively, um, you know, in terms of his ball progression, you know, his ability to get in and out of tight spaces and, you know, work with Wolf and Elise, you know, to create chances. And he's been scoring, you know, some lately as well. So I do think that part of his game, you know, shouldn't be diminished. And I, I guess I would say that I don't think defensively is as bad as, you know, it might seem. So, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I, I My uh, attention was slightly taken by Ben Rama on the TV as another player who's just inexplicably got himself a peroxide haircut unnecessarily and it does not suit him. <laughs> um, yeah, just thought I'd add that in. Uh, London Eagle should have given that match a wide fitting. Um, yes, I think a lot of people thought that, not least Chris Clark, who went all the way up there. Kara, uh, one for you from John Sanderson. Too much flair, not enough graft, question mark. Harsh, harsh? I mean, I'm not sure we saw that much flair, did we? Um, no, I, I mean, I, I think there was a conscious effort to not dribble the ball for, for, for no reason. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, it was it wasn't graft that was the problem, was it? No, I don't think so. I don't I don't think that looks like the problem. And again, Vieira was asked about whether or not it was a there's an issue with kind of attitude from the players, and he reacted really strongly against that and said like he, he works with them every day and they're all working really hard. So I don't think that's a that's a problem. Um, at all and I don't think it's too much flair I think it's just that we don't have a settled kind of consensus in the team of of what everybody needs to be doing I think that's that's kind of the long and short of it really yeah fair enough um I'm going to apologize to Daniel Babington Brown um so whoever's copied the Facebook stuff into the show document it says I'll go back to my message post Leicester City colon and then nothing (laughs) so um Maybe maybe that is the message, but uh, massive apologies, Daniel. Um, Richard Evans, we often end up doing badly when we've got two games in one week. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really think, you know, we've got a fairly young team. Um, United, for example, I think have got the oldest average starting 11 this season. They, they've managed it. Is there anything in that? Um, three games in eight days. But then, you know, a win, a draw and a loss. Um you know, if you take four points from every three games, we'll be doing all right. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that um, we can we can blame that. We can blame that really. Um, some more comments about Luca playing. Um, Mark Vincent, not much to say. Very flat. Not sure what happened. I think that's kind of if you're going to sum up what we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes. Essentially, I don't think we're really sure either. Um, a few, a, yeah, a, f- a few people saying that basically. It's a bit of an anomaly. Um, and then we've got comments from Ray Birch, Jeff Arnold and some others. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably leave it there. If you, if you, if you want to, if you want to get in touch, we will try and uh, mention everything, but I think people got quite angry and a lot of people commented this week. So apologies if we couldn't read them all out. Um, but I think you've heard quite enough on that. So um, thank you very much for listening. And thanks in particular to everyone who got in touch. As we said, um, we literally do read absolutely everything and it helps us sh- shape the show documentation that we then use to make the show. So please don't stop them coming in. It'd be great if you could uh, either tell a friend, a palace friend about us or uh, leave a nice review on iTunes. All we ask that if it's less than five, then change it to five because that really helps us. There's so many palace podcasts these days. Um, used to only be a couple, but now, you know, there's probably a dozen. So we really appreciate those people that keep coming back to us every week. Those of us, who, uh, those of you who found us through YouTube as well, that, that means a lot. Uh, so the preview team will be back with you in midweek to to look at the Southampton game, which I believe, uh, am I right in thinking, Xavier, that's the last home game before the World Cup? Yeah, I think that's right. I think we have three yeah. away matches on the bounce before then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so they'll be back in midweek to have a look at that. And then uh, a selection of us will be back uh, after the game, probably next Sunday or this Sunday come in to record a show on what we hope will be a nice three points against Southampton. Um, Although they themselves had a bit of a second half uh, rejuvenation against Arsenal and they're the only team to get a draw against them uh, this season. So they found themselves in form at the wrong time. Plus... We know that uh, Ward Prowse likes to play against us. But um, until until the until the next time, thank you very much to Xavier for making his debut. Much appreciated. Thank you to Kara as ever, and uh, that's that's it from me, Mike. And until the next time, come on, you Palace. It's the ninetieth minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.